Hello and welcome to Detox for Vibrant Health. I'm your host, Jessica Green. Thank you for joining. All right. Welcome everyone to Detox for Vibrant Health podcast. And on today's episode, I have my friend and fellow health coach, Kim Mello Cohen. She is the diabetic mentor. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm just so excited to have you on this podcast because uh, the diabetic uh, diabetes epidemic is just, um, you know, it's crazy how fast it's spreading, type 2 diabetes especially. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'd love to hear, let's just start out with, uh, tell us a little bit about how you became the diabetic mentor. Well, it really starts, first of all, let me just say thank you, Jessica, for having me. And I, this is just such a privilege to be able to be here with you today. So thank you. Um, the diabetic mentor came about as part of my story. And where that all came from, diabetes is not only an epidemic uh, in the world, here in the United States, they say that there's 84 million people who are still yet to even be diagnosed with diabetes. Um, and I hear many, many stories like my own every day when I'm talking to people where people are being diagnosed with kidney failure, heart diseases, and lo and behold, the underlying condition is type 2 diabetes, and they never even were aware that it was a significant issue. And for me, I am a mixture of many nationalities, but predominantly Italian. So when people think of that, you know, that it, the Italian culture, um, lots of pasta, <laughs> lots of desserts, lots of food. And of course, the Mediterranean diet also kind of extends from there. So you would think this would not be an issue. Um, and it, it does, in my family, we do, we love our pasta. And of course, the flowers that we use to make all the homemade, really good food are your simple carbohydrates. And so a lifetime of growing up, and I, I, let me just say this, I don't blame any of our ancestors before us, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, great-grandparents, because when I was born, I had two sets of great-grandparents. They're all amazing, amazing cooks. The, the legacy that has been passed down in our family is huge. But as you know, the food qualities today and the standards, especially here in the United States, is really what is contributing to a lot of this disease um, and what the, the hidden sugars are in our foods, even including the sugar-free. So the first thing, and, and I will talk a little bit about it later, is what, diabetes is pervasive in my family, as I said, and I will attribute a lot of it to our heritage and um, what we eat. But I also put a lot of it on the quality of the foods, the processing of the foods, and ever since World War II, as we all know. But then you have other components that are involved in that. So I was diagnosed with um, metabolic disorder, PCOS, which you and I have talked a lot about. And of course, alopecia, I lost my hair. And at that time, I was told I had insulin resistance pre-diabetes. 
<clears throat> and what we know today about diabetes versus 20 years ago is drastically different. And I will also say that part of my story is at that time, my sister, who uh, was younger than me, 12 years younger than me, was a type 1 diabetic. She was diagnosed around the age of three. And at 22 years of age, just before I was diagnosed with insulin resistance pre-diabetes, my sister at 22 passed away at Thanksgiving, um, right after Thanksgiving dinner of a massive heart attack. And again, I, I preface what we know about diabetes today versus even the 80s or the 90s is drastically different. And so much of this not type one because that is an autoimmune condition and they must be supported on insulin. But your insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, type two diabetes, a lot of it can be reversed, put into remission based upon dietary lifestyle changes. And that was something that eluded me for 15 years. I did very much follow the advice of my doctor. I exer exercised. I tried to eliminate sugar, but there are underlying components that people don't even realize, and it took me 15 years to figure it out for myself, that even though I was following the recommendations of my doctor, the medications continued. I continued to get sick, and it went from the common cold to sinus infections to ear infections to pneumonia, and it just kept seeming like it was one more on top of the other. And I was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And like most of the American population, I was in a two-income family with small children. I had to work just like my husband had to work. But when you're a diabetic or faced with any type of um, sickness or challenge like this, a disease to manage, not is it a, only overwhelming what your do doctor is telling you to do. And especially with diabetes, trying to manage it with the blood sugars and how many carbs do I eat and does this have sugar in it and reading the food labels, which at that time, no one had, had actually ever told me, even in my diabetes nutrition classes, that those were components that I needed to look at or how many times I really needed to test my blood sugar or testing a food to my blood sugar meter. Um, it, getting well just eluded me. And it wasn't until I started some other things that were going on in my life at that time. And that was the first time I heard stress contributes to disease. Mm. And in trying to manage my stress levels, that's when I started all this research and educating myself. And then I started, I hired a spiritual mentor. I started working with a licensed therapist all in the context of I was going to manage this stress in my daily life, <laughs> which then led to working with my doctor more one-on-one, -on -one, working with nutritionists. And at the end of the day, I was probably working with seven or eight different mentors for different components of my life. And there was this common theme among all of them, whether they were diabetes related or not. And it was about my relationships to people, places, and things, which then determined the relationship to my food that I was feeding my body with. And long story, very long story short is um, I got well. 
within three months of putting some key pieces into place for me and my lifestyle, suddenly after 15 years and medications and after medications, at one point there was like 16 different medications that I was on, I was off all medications. And it was the first time my diabetes doctor was looking at me, my endocrinologist, and she said, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, she was always very concerned that this was not going to be sustainable. And I kept saying, I will not go back. I will not go back on that medication because I, at that point, began to realize how the medications made me feel. And lo and behold, here I was, you know, medication free. People started asking me for my advice. How did you do this? I did draw the line in the sand where sugar was concerned. But again, I go back to how I was raised and the food that I was raised on, which is a huge component of my culture, of our family events. Um, and I knew in order to sustain this lifestyle that I had to figure out a way to incorporate those foods into my life, but to stay healthy. And I can honestly say I've done that because I'm now four years medication free. I have now gone to school, become certified, um, and I have a, a thriving diabetic mentor practice. And that's what I do. I, you know, I'm not a licensed nutritionist. I'm not a licensed doctor. But what I do for my clients is exactly the walk that I had to make with all those other people that were in my life is literally hold their hand and take them step by step. So that's how I became the diabetic mentor. It is my life. That's a really powerful story. And <laughs> Thank you. I, I love that. I love that. Um, you know, you've taken something so challenging and you've really turned it around so that you could help people not go through similar things that you had to go through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that, that feels, I could just tell, it feels really good. Yeah, literally. And I say this to my clients all the time. Actually, one of my clients said it to me a couple of weeks ago. She said, you basically took 15 years of struggle, came up with the roadmap, and now you're going to teach me in six months, which, what took you 15 years to figure out on your own. And that, that was it. She beautifully summed it all up. Hmm. Yeah, she really did. And I'd like to um, ask you just a few more questions. Um, the next one, I, I think that this is going to be really interesting because you have been working with a number of clients mm -hmm. and you might start to see some of a pattern here. So what do you feel are the biggest obstacles that most people have to making changes that will reverse their condition? Well, the first two changes immediately, and everybody I talk to says this. I, I just spoke to somebody yesterday at my husband's office, and he said, that's the issue. Um, he's also pre-diabetic, just became pre-diabetic. And I asked him, I said, what? Knowing the answer, I said, why do you think you haven't been successful? And he said, well, I heard, I hear all the recommendations and he's got the typical big belly. And he said, but Kim, he said, I, I don't even know where to begin to start. And that mm -hmm. is really the number one issue. It's not that we as diabetics don't hear, stay away from sugar, exercise, drink more water and um, change your lifestyle, get more rest, manage your stress. 
and that all sounds wonderful and dandy when you have this checklist as you're walking out of the doctor's office and take your blood sugars. But then you get home where there's nobody. And for some of us, even though I said to you, my family is, it's diabetes is pervasive. There's just about everybody in my family has some form of sugar issue. But me in my home with my husband and my children, there was no diabetes. I, I was it. And even though I knew everything about my sister, I wasn't with her 24 seven. So when you're looking at those checklists, it's like, ooh, how do I incorporate that into my life? And I hate to say it because I was one of those people, it was much easier to take the medication and go into denial and fix myself a big plate of cheese ravioli and have a few Oreo cookies while I was at it. I'll deal with that tomorrow. I kid you not, this was my life. And, and I'm not making fun of any diabetics. I have mm -mm. such compassion for that because that is exactly where we're at. It's so much information. So I said to this gentleman yesterday, I said, if you had somebody who could literally come in and take that piece of paper away and say, I'm going to give you one thing to do today. Could you do that? He said, sure, I can try. I said, okay. I said, all I want you to do today is drink four more glasses of water than you did yesterday. And he said, what? I said, because you didn't drink water yesterday, did you? And he's like, no. I said, so can you drink four glasses of water today in addition to everything else? Yeah, I think I can do that. And that's what it really is about is giving people one little step at a time and working with them to make those changes and incorporate it into their day-to-day -day life. It's the other reason that we're not successful is because of our healthcare system, and I'm not bashing it, please don't misunderstand me because I have great empathy for our doctors and our nurses for what they do. But because this is such an epidemic, because illness is such an epidemic in this country, they don't possibly with their caseloads have enough time to go person to person, house to house, to understand what is going on in a person's life. So when my clients reach out and text me and say, I have a high blood sugar and this is going on and this is going on and I ate this birthday cake and da 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 da. Why do you think I have a high blood sugar? Well, that's when I have to teach them compassion for themselves. Give yourself grace. And that's where I really feel that not just my program, but programs from health coaches, that's what we do because we've walked this path. We're not better than them. We have our own challenges that we faced, but we can certainly mentor them. And that's what my program does. That's what I do as the diabetic mentor. Oh, that is such great takeaways right there. Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Where to start? There's so much overwhelm. Mm -hmm. When you get a diagnosis, you go home, you maybe talk to your doctor for 10 minutes, they hand you a paper, and then you go. Um, it could be really overwhelming. And, and so much information out on the internet. That's the first thing we all do, right? We hit the internet with our phones, with our iPads, with the computers. And I think sometimes, not that the information out there isn't good, but I know for myself, eventually I have to say, whoa, I've read enough information on this. I need to walk away because I start scaring myself. Mm -hmm. 
can you imagine somebody who hasn't been around it and they've been handed that diagnosis and they start looking at all this one more time, I'll deal with this tomorrow and I'm going to go have my plate of pasta right now. <laughs> sure. Cause it's upsetting, right? Yes. You reach for comfort food when you're upset or confused or overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And uh, that the second point that you pointed out, having compassion for yourself. Oh, mm -hmm. So important. We, it, it seems so much easier to have compassion for someone else than it does for ourselves. And so to turn that thing. inward. Yeah, that is a hard thing. Mm -hmm. So if, um, what are your top recommendations you would make to anyone starting on their healing journey? I had to think about this hard and long, and it shouldn't have been something hard and long. Um, but I love this question, by the way. Um, if, if I reached back and spoke to myself almost 20 years ago now, and please understand, when I received my diagnosis, it was two months after my sister had just passed away from this disease. So I was already freaking out that I was going to end up just like her. Um, the biggest thing is to cut out the sugars, the natural sugars. Yes, I know that. If somebody had told me, Kim, just go walk the block of your house once or twice a day. I didn't understand then how that helped my body. Um, and it wasn't go out and run a marathon, go out and lift weights. Well, you can progress into that if you enjoy that kind of thing. <laughs> my clients know I don't like getting sweaty. <laughs> but in all honesty, with us diabetics, um, it's not, especially when we're first starting out, um, heavy workouts are actually not good for us. They're going to impede our progress and make our sugars go even higher because we're stressing our body doing something that it's never done before. So, you know, some of my clients can't even walk and I'm like, do chair aerobics, let's dance in the chair. It's, it's moving, it's moving. And, and be aware that even just um, doing housework is a form of exercise, technically. Steps, step, getting a step thing is great. Don't strive for the 10,000 steps a day. If you do three to 4,000 and that's more than what you did yesterday, celebrate, celebrate the small successes and drink more water, get lots of rest. If you can do those things, you're already ahead of the game. But my number one priority thing is to find a support group, a community, a nutritionist, a health coach or a diabetic mentor, and I'm not the only one out there, <clears throat> but a program that resonates with you. Because we as diabetics, we get a lot of programming from the media, from loved ones who are concerned about us, that we did this to ourselves, And that's not necessarily the truth. We can control it, but we don't even begin to understand how to control it. And here's me who had a diabetic sister who should have known and it still eluded me for 15 years. So I guess what I'm saying is get somebody who can really walk beside you, get the education about the disease itself, because the more you can understand how this disease works in your body, the more equipped at least it was for me to not only forgive myself, 
for the feelings that I was having, understanding what was triggering my brain and the hormones in my body to act the way they were. But it became so much easier for me to then make better choices for myself to keep that blood sugar down, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't have a specific mentor, a diabetic mentor in my life who literally walked me through that process. Oh, those are just really great tips to share. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you kind of touched on something and I know I, I didn't, uh, I'm ask me. <laughs> okay. You know, you hit on something really important, I think. And that is, um, you know, you didn't do this to yourself. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a, a blame game. And I think that's such an important takeaway there because there are so many other factors, right? Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. that, oh, you've got diabetes because you ate too much sugar. That's not mm -hmm. why at all. Mm -hmm. So understanding that it's not just your personal choice of what you ate, um, it, it's kind of, there's so many other factors that play a role into your body starting to get out of balance. And that is the, when I talk about my program, yes, it's about the food choices and all of that good stuff. But as you know, Jessica, the, the underlying part of my program is really start being aware of your environment, your community, your people, places, things, and food, and how they are personally making you feel. Because for the diabetic body, I can be, some people know, I think you're one of them. I have a grandmother who is 101. I have a great aunt who is soon to be 105. So in this family, we celebrate. <laughs> and um, so I could be at my grandmother's birthday party and there's this big, huge cake. Now I know it's got sugar in it. I know it's going to affect my blood sugar. And instead of sitting there and beating myself up, internally saying, I can't have that because I'm diabetic. Guess what? I'm going to have it. I might share a piece with my husband or my sister and, and maybe only have a few porkfuls. Give myself grace. I am allowed to do this and not beat myself up for doing it, number one. But if I'm in a happy place and a joyous place and that's where I'm at emotionally, that piece of cake, that small piece of cake that I allow myself is not going to affect my blood sugars as much as if I'm coming from a place of where I am. I can't believe I have to eat this with my family. This is going to affect my blood sugars and I'm beating myself up. And what I'm talking about, as you know, is the hormonal imbalance piece that comes in with our emotions. And for a diabetic, that's what really affects us. And I will leave this piece of advice that my husband, with all of his wisdom, actually related to me the one day. He says, in some ways, I see you as a diabetic as being the chosen one. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he's like, because your emotions show on your blood sugar meter, and then you have a choice of what you're going to do about it. The rest of us who don't have blood sugar meters don't have that gauge. And I thought that was really empowering for him to see that because my husband's not diabetic, but then to speak that to me. And then I kind of walked around. I was like, yeah, I am the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, he really had a good take on it. I thought. 
Yeah, like that share that. That's such a great connection uh, between emotions, our hormones, and how our body processes things like sugar. Mm-hmm. So important. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask you also, what are your personal strategies for staying medication free today? Well, I had to find a lifestyle that was sustainable. So uh, first and foremost, as, I, as you see that I've been talking about all along is food. And food quality is very, very important to both me and my husband. Um, but I will not give up my comfort foods. I will not give up my desserts. As a matter of fact, if you go to my Facebook page right now, Sunshine Abundant Life, um, you will see that I am person- purposely provoking my community to come at me with their favorite desserts and candies and goodies. Because my goodness, this is holiday season. This is Thanksgiving and Christmas and you got Kwanzaa and all of the other beautiful, beautiful um, holiday seasons that are happening right now. And, you know, this is really, it's a, it's a magical season. Um, obviously with different cultures and my culture, we're very blessed because it's about Jesus's birthday. We celebrate with food. That's the Italian in me. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, but I will not spike my blood sugar. And one of my clients just said to me the other day, because I meet her at a little bistro here, and we were sitting, sipping our green tea, and she said, Kim, they got all the Christmas cookies out. How are you sitting here and not eating that stuff? And I said, because I know I can go home and it's sitting in my house. And that's how I beat the triggers during Christmas. I've got cupcakes and muffins and I made scones the other day and they're around my house right now. I I do not during this time of the year I don't eat as strictly as I would have from a carbohydrate limit that I personally keep myself to. I allow myself to be a little bit off and dang it, if I want a chocolate peanut butter cup, I'm gonna have a chocolate peanut butter cup. But I just make everything so that I can eat it and not get sick. And that is exactly what I teach my clients. So I like to say that we heal our bodies with laugh, love, love, laughter, and comfort food. And so that is what I do. That's my personal mantra. Um, Laugh as much as I can. Stress management, obviously. Um, I'm very aware of the boundaries that I need to have in my life around people, places, things, and food. Um, because, you know, life is life. You know, as well as I do, we're all going to have hard moments, but there, you got to strike a happy medium. And if you are in a situation where you're constantly down and depressed and not feeling well, the first way to start getting out of that diabetic or not is to start becoming really, really aware of what makes you happy, what makes you sad and start living in more of the people, places and things and food that makes you happy. Um, So that's, you know, having, we could go through, I mean, I have morning routines and stuff that I do. I walk every day, a couple of miles a day, but the biggest thing really is just, finding moments of time to be with the people in my life, doing the things that I love to do, laugh and eat good food. (laughs) That's what it's all about for me. (laughs) That's wonderful. 
And I love that you've created your own uh, special treats at home that won't make you sick. I think that's so important to have something that feels like an indulgence or a treat, something that'll keep you from grabbing for that cookie at a yeah. cafe that you know is not going to make you feel good. Well, and here's another thing. I don't tell this to most people, and now I'm going to blow it out of the water and my family will know. When they <laughs> ask me to cook stuff for holidays, especially treats, I'll go in and say, oh yeah, this is the German chocolate cake. This is the Reese's peanut butter cup sundae that I created. I never say it's keto, low carb, high fat, or sugar free. I just put it down in front of them. And then when it's gone or the majority are gone, I always kind of laugh and I'm like, <laughs> it was sugar free. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> and now, and this is true, three years running, um, my stepmom makes mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. Three years ago, I made my smashed cauliflower with green onions and cheddar cheese and I had some bacon in there and I made enough for me and my husband because I didn't think anybody else would want any. Well, my husband and I got just a little bit. Everybody else had to have it because it smelled amazing. Last year, they asked me to make it for the family. The mashed potatoes got thrown out. They fought over the leftovers of the smashed, smashed cauliflower. And now this year, I have been informed that I need to make a double batch um, because they're not even making the mashed potatoes. <laughs> so what I, I guess the point is, and this is what I want to bring more and more to Sunshine Abundant Life, and I preach it to my clients, if you just start living your life and you're happy-go-lucky and you're making friends with the pots and pans and having a good old time, that's contagious to people. They want to know what you have and they want what you have because they don't have it. And this, I think, is the perfect um, example of that because now my family's like, oh, well, we're, we're not going to have the, the mashed potatoes. We just want your smashed cauliflower. <laughs> so there you go. That's wonderful. I, I really love that. Um, I really love your attitude about <laughs> food and enjoying it. And it's not about... Um, what you can't eat. It's not that, oh, I can't have the mashed potatoes. It's, hey, I've got some really killer cauliflower. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was killer. <laughs> but it is. I mean, and it just makes it so much easier. Instead of sitting here and saying, I can't have that. I'm diabetic. And I will also tell you, this time of the year is when my family's making the homemade pasta and the homemade raviolis. And diabetic mentor will have some. I may not have an entire plate because I know what it physically makes me feel like and I don't like that nauseousness afterwards. But diabetic, and my dad makes huge, huge ravioli ones. So I might have two or three raviolis and a couple of forkfuls of pasta and quite honestly, that fills me up, I'm done, it's enough. But the point is, is I don't stop myself. And that, yeah, food is a huge part of my culture. And I don't believe that just because I'm diabetic, I have to suffer for it. So I refuse to do that. And I've learned to make room for it, make space for the ugliness in my life. But I also eat all the other comfort foods to stay healthy. 
that's just the way it is. <laughs> Wonderful. And you've been medication free. What did you say for four years? Just over four years, October 30th, my father's birthday um, wow. was four years. So yeah. Yeah. Low Congrats. A1Cs. Thank oh, you. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's beautiful. That's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's huge. I, I'm very happy for myself, but, um, you know, it's just when you see people in your life that you love so much die from this disease, suffer from this disease, and you know, it's preventable. You, you just want to go out and, um, shout it from the rooftops and shout it from Mount Everest. And I ain't nowhere near Mount Everest, but I want to literally shout that you can still have a quality of life. You do not have to give up the food you love. We just prepare them differently. Not a big deal. Um, but you can still have this quality of life and you can enjoy your family. And as you know, it's playing out in my life right now. It's not just about me being medication free, but it's a family situation that is playing out that the doctors are now basically telling our family, this can be stopped through a dietary nutritional lifestyle change. And medicine is not going to help it at this point. So. That is such an excellent takeaway, and uh, you can you can become medication free through diet, nutrition, lifestyle, mm -hmm. and that's that's your mission. Mm -hmm. It is my mission, and I will say I I do know in the diabetes community because there are I heard within the last six months that there is probably close to almost 10 to 12 different variations of diabetes. Like I said, what we know about diabetes today versus even five, 10 years ago is totally different. So yes, my mission for me is to remain medication free and to help as many people as possible to get there. I am not by any stretch of the imagination saying that certain diabetes medications for some people, it is absolutely necessary. However, we all can have quality of life. We don't have to have face leg amputations and kidney disease, loss of kidneys, loss of eyesight, all the things that we hear about. And in my case right now, uh, close personal family member, cirrhosis of the liver, because his diabetes progressed um, way faster and further than every, anybody thought. And he thought he was in control because he had low blood sugars that were being controlled by six different diabetes medications. That's what diabetes does. You know, these medications tend to band-aid us from the real issue. And that's what me as a diabetic mentor hopes to walk with people on a journey to say, let's address those other issues. Let's get you off as much of the medication, if not all of it, as possible. Um, and let's give you back quality of life. That's what I'm trying to do. Beautiful. And I think we'll probably end on that wonderful note. It was so wonderful talking to you today, Kim. Me too. Thank you. you. Too. Thank you for Thank joining you so today. Much. Thank you.
And for everyone listening and watching, uh, if you're interested in connecting with Kim, I'll be putting her contact information into the notes of the podcast. And um, with that, we'll end. Say thank you all for listening today. And uh, I'll see you next time on the Detox for Vibrant Health podcast. Thank you. Thank you.